This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are barking. It's dark outside, and uh, we've got a great guest coming on tonight. I saw you What's head nodding to the end. I saw you head nodding to the intro. You got a little yeah, shoulder. Yeah, I, I, I do it every cool. time. I get a little fired up, man. That that music gets me going. But listen, we got a special guest tonight on Bark After Dark, Matt Godwin. Um, across all channels, uh, this is his third time on with us. He's the former director of uh, player personnel at Georgia intimate knowledge of the program we love talking to him we thought hey who, who would be better to have on after game one and uh bruce do we do we even want to waste any time talking about us and our insignificance or do we want to go ahead and start talking about matt Goss? i'm just talking drinking the matt same Goss. beer i drank last week that's all i have Yikes, to say bobby i'm for, drinking for, i'm drinking i'm drinking nothing right now i am uh I, I don't feel great i don't know <laughs> the, the old I had some pizza today earlier at UGA. I had a you know a few a couple pieces of pizza and hadn't been eating oh, like that, that lately. What, but I was what's the choice today? That what was the what was the pizza Rhea choice? Papa John's. It's Papa John's. That's not bad. That's not bad. We'll yeah, talk I about can't remember last. Time. I cannot wait. I, I mean, here's the thing. I can't remember the last time I ate Papa John's and and thought, hey, that was a, that was a good decision. It, it <laughs> never, never. So I hadn't been eating like that, and uh, I ate some today, and I feel like garbage. So, yeah. uh, and I have since, but let's get Matt Goblin on here. Yeah. Uh, bring him in. Um, he's the, uh, he's the, he's the man we need to be talking to. What's up, dude. How's it going? Hey guys. How are y'all? I'm doing uh, well, man. Thanks for coming back on with us, Matt. We really appreciate it as always. And like we said, thought we thought it would be apropos to have you on, uh, following game one of the season. Um, uh, it's, uh, normal reaction season uh it's not it's overreaction season uh in full effect and um a lot of people have a lot of questions and we thought that you might be able to shed some light on some of those questions that folks have so answer them all right now Just, we're gonna let you have the floor and answer all the questions right now yeah absolutely uh, uh jake i'm i was gonna say i'm like you i'm drinking water today so i'm coming off three straight days in athens so i didn't get back to atlanta till today Took about a three, four hour nap, so I'm uh, I'm on the yeah. struggle bus as well. That's what uh that's what time in Athens will do to you, um yes. for sure. Uh, I uh got home late after that game. Uh, you know, listen, you know what tore me up more than anything this week, and I, I'm I, you're a Braves fan, I, I, right? You you went to the Braves, you were going to a Braves game here a little while back, dude. What's killed me more than anything is uh, is this Braves Dodgers series because like it's like a moth to a flame. <laughs> I can't not watch Braves Dodgers. And I stayed up every single night and watched every single one of those late games, and uh, I'm, I'm still recovering. It's it's I can't do it like I used to it now that I'm 40. So 
Yeah, I mean, if anything, the pitch clock has helped that, but uh, it's still not great. It's still not great yeah. with the 10 p.m. first pitch. So, yeah, still, still not great getting to bed, you know, at at one thirty. <laughs> but uh, so all right, let, let's talk about the game a little bit now. Um, true or false? Uh, George is going to lose at least six ball games this year based on game one. Uh, oh man, you're putting me on the spot. I'm going to go TBD. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, we're, we're in wait and see mode, so I don't want to make any proclamations. No, um, I, I would go uh, false. I, I think we'll lose a few less than that, but, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. So I think, you know, my, my biggest rule of thumb, and I've been harping on this with my friends, is, you know, I don't think there are many, if any, conclusions you can draw off of week one. And that's been my rule of thumb for probably the last seven years. Um, and really, that started after mm-hmm. I remember the Texas Notre Dame game, week one. Tyrone Swoops scores like a late touchdown. Texas ended up winning the ball game by like three points. And I remember in that moment, everybody was a prisoner of the moment. And it felt like those two teams were going to go on to do big things. <clears throat> well, turned out Texas was Texas. Notre Dame had a down year. They both went six and six. And they were both meaningless in the grand scheme of things. So since that game, that's my rule of thumb is not that week one doesn't matter, but you just got to be really careful drawing conclusions from it. So I would be curious, Matt, um, and I think a lot of people would. I've got several questions tonight, but but this is probably chief among them. Was there anything you saw from game one that surprised you, good or bad? Yeah, I mean, I think there were a few personnel surprises. Um, number one would be C.J. Smith getting in there early and often. Um, not that I don't think CJ has a lot of ability, but, you know, when I left there in March, um, I feel like CJ, you know, on his development path was a little bit behind maybe. Um, and, and partly that was due to injuries his first year. Um, but, you know, he, he looks like he's filled out. And, I mean, he, he got in there pretty much, I think, the first drive or the second drive and played a lot, made a couple plays. So I think that was a pleasant surprise. Um, CJ Allen was another surprise. I mean, this guy got in second series of the game. Um, and you know, with Smile Mondin a little bit limited, it looked like CJ was kind of the third guy behind Xavier and Sori and Pop. So that was a surprise. And then probably the last one would be the corner situation. Uh, because corner's kind of been a question mark, I think, in everybody's head. And it ended up being Kamari Laster and Daylon Everett. And Behind them, Julio Humphrey got some snaps. And then the, I guess the biggest surprise of all is that A.J. Harris got in the game at corner before Nyland Green did. So I think there's, there's a lot of surprises there. Um, so, you know, the, the, that's – you know, there are probably more surprises to list out. But for me, those are probably the three biggest. So Now, when we look at when, – when you look at kind of the, the way the game started, it, it was obviously kind of a slow first half. What was just kind of your thoughts on, on Carson and, and how he played? Because there's – listen, um, the, the Wolves are out, all right? There, there are people out there, you know, diagramming what this kid missed and, and stuff like that and and how he there was an open receiver in the middle of the field that he didn't see. And um, first start, I mean, it, was there anything that, that kind of surprised you or, or caught you off guard about the way he handled things or the way things were called early on in that game? Yeah, I mean – I think that this guy has been waiting on his opportunity for a long time, right? I mean, this guy hasn't started a football game since he was in high school. 
Um, so I expected some jitters. I didn't think he would be super sharp, and and I bet you he would tell you he wasn't. But for the most part, I think it was really, really positive. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll draw some parallels here, right? So Setson Bennett got his first start at Georgia, 2020, year four. He By that point, he was probably, what, 22, 23 years old. And I think if you compare this guy's first start to Setson, this guy was a lot more impressive. Um, so I guess that's the way I look at it is, you know, <laughs> it's his first start. You know, I think everybody needs to pump the brakes a little bit. I think, you know, I guess the biggest surprise or maybe the most disappointing thing for me was kind of the lack of tempo. Um, you know, I was at the game on Saturday. I felt, I felt like we were really slow and methodical. And maybe that was intentional, you know, with the first-time quarterback, a lot of new players. But I've always felt like, you know, tempo helps offensive players. It makes the game easier for them. It makes it simpler. Um, so I guess that was a little bit disappointing, a little bit of a surprise. But, you know, ultimately, you know, he missed a couple throws. But, guys, you know, Patrick Mahomes misses throws. I think that, you know, we, we have a tendency to – to, to be overly critical. And I think, you know, people, again, people get caught up in the moment, moment, they're a prisoner of the moment and they see a guy miss a throw and they overreact. And that's just part of it. And we're all guilty too. You know, I, I am too, you know, I don't want to make it seem like I'm, you know, casting stones from my ivory tower. Cause that's not the case, but um, I really liked what I saw. He moved well. Um, you know, his delivery looked really, really good. And, you know, and frankly, I think we called the game a little bit different towards the end of the second quarter going into the third quarter, and I think it really helped him. Um, and, and to elaborate on that, you know, I felt like, you know, we were calling the game, um, you know, really conservatively early on, trying to have him, you know, make some short throws here and there, get the ball moving. And frankly, you know, I think Carson's more comfortable – you know, with the play action pass, rollouts, you know, throwing on the move. He's he's actually more comfortable with the more difficult throws in a weird way. Uh, whereas a guy like Jay Fromm, you know, his bread and butter was the underneath stuff. And I think, you know, Carson really started to play well and the offense really opened up when we started pushing the ball downfield. Um, and he, he settled in a little bit, but all in all, I think it was really positive. You know, I, I hate stat sheet scouting, but um, – I think the stats tell a pretty good story, and I think there's there's a lot of opportunity to build and grow. So, um, you know, a lot was made this week, uh, Matt, of Mike Bobo's debut. That was something that people were really looking for, and I'm just curious, you know, as a guy who worked, um, you know, under Munkin and, and close by with him and saw what he did, were there noticeable fingerprints on this game that were decidedly Mike Bobo versus Todd Munkin? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, one thing Munkin did really well was kind of changing things up. You know, I, I don't think the last two years we were a quote-unquote tempo team in the way that Tennessee maybe is. Uh, but we we used tempo a lot. I mean, if you went back and charted drives, especially last year, I mean, say we had 12, 14 drives in a game, we probably use tempo at some point in 30, 40% of those drives. And we may not use it for the entire drive, but, you know, Monk was big on tempo. Um, he was big on, you know, pre-snap motion. 
he was big on, you know, just different things, you know, we, we call them speed breaks, but you know what a speed break is, is when the entire offense is in a huddle and the defense can't get a read of what they're going to do formationally. All they know is, you know, the personnel and then you run to the line defense can't get, you know, a good call in. They just have to run one of their base calls. So Monk was really good at kind of mixing in some of that. And I think it's definitely, I think Bobo has all that, you know, in the playbook. I just think, you know, it was game one. And let's be realistic, it was UT Martin. So um, I'm curious to see, you know, how it progresses through the season. Um, you know, just me speaking just personally, I hope we see more tempo. Um, like I said, I, I don't think of us as a tempo, fast, you know, fast snap football team. But I think it's a weapon, you know, to use. So, um, you know, I, I don't think we saw a whole lot. Um, you know, it definitely didn't look great in the first half. I mean, let, let's be honest, you know, we were out of sync. Um, and I think part of that was just there, there's a lot of weird stuff happening in the game, you know, between injuries and flags and all these different things. There were all these stops in the game. I think it was really hard for us to establish a rhythm. And, I mean, it's pretty clear that we we came out trying to throw the ball. We were, we were, we were running the quick game over and over and over and over. And, you know, I almost, you know, wonder if we would have been better off, you know, kind of trying to pound the football and create a play-action pass from that and then go from there. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I think people are, you know, overreacting. I mean, I, I think people are underestimating, you know, how big of a role Mike Bobo played in our offense last year. I mean, this guy did our third down, um, you know, red zone report every week. Um, you know, some of those red zone calls that we used in games last year were Mike Bobo's. He had a huge part in the run game last year, working close to Stacey Searle. So um, I think Mike Bobo's a really good coach. I'm not worried, and I don't think anybody else should be worried, um, you know, again, just because it's week one. So You mentioned one well, thing that, in there, I'm, too. I'm, I don't want to hurt yeah. your feelings, but you're not going to stop them. Um, oh, no, <laughs> they're going to be worried. We, you know, the, the funny thing about that is, um, you know, we, with with Coach Smart, you know, working at Georgia, the sky is always falling. So, in a lot of ways, <laughs> Georgia fans are just modeling the head coach. So, um, it, 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 it's kind of so, you, <laughs> so you're saying that that they they got they take on the personality of their coach sometimes, huh? Exactly, exactly. So, so I can't blame them. I can't discount any fans because having lived through it for you know almost six years. It's the same thing. So, uh, I, hey, I got uh, one here before we ahead, uh, no, no, you you mentioned this one, uh, Matt, and I, I just wanted to touch on it real quick. Was UT Martin a little bit more impressive than you thought? I I I think that maybe they came into this game. People thought that this, you know, we say sisters of the poor a lot, but I mean they're back to back Ohio Valley Conference uh, uh, champions. Like I said uh, last night on the show, there's a degree of success that a program like that is used to. I, I'm not – I think there were easier draws at the level that they play at than UT Martin. Personally. Yeah, I mean, so I think when you're looking at, you know, FCS teams, lower group of five teams, there's different styles of teams that can create challenges. Obviously, triple options a major one. You, you don't want to play triple option teams. It's a nightmare. Um, you know, Kent State provided a lot of problems for us last year, and that's because they did some funky stuff with RPOs, formations. They had a quarterback that could throw it like 70 yards in the air. He was a really good athlete. So Kent State wasn't a triple option team, 
but they were a kind of a funky offense that gave you some challenging looks. And then with UT Martin, you know, I don't think they did anything that crazy schematically. I think they were just a really well-coached, sound football team. Like, they were, you know, they were good at tackling. They weren't blown assignments. Um, you know, up front, they, they competed. Um, so I, I think it's more a tribute to Jason Simpson, having been there, what, 18, 19 years, that, you know, they're just a really solid football team. And they don't have the guys that other schools have, obviously. Um, but, you know, they, they were just really sound. You know, you, you had to make plays. They were not going to give you plays, which is oftentimes what you see in these games is these teams are in over their head and they give you free points. And I don't think they really gave us any free points. Um, and, you know, it was also funny seeing their quarterback. I mean, Ken K. Dent was a guy that – we recruited. I don't know if it was reported that we recruited him, but he was a guy we liked. Um, he had a really good arm. He was a good athlete. So it was kind of funny seeing him resurface uh, because I'm going to be honest, I didn't do very much work on my UT Martin scouting report. So I had no idea what to expect. Uh, but when I saw him under center, it was kind of funny because you know, he, he's a power five guy that it didn't work out on his first stop. But, you know, don't don't think he's not a good football player because he is. Um so, you know, I mean, I, I definitely think that, that that group was ready. And, you know, Georgia, you know, clearly did not play up to the standard. All right. Hey, listen, we got to jump into something real quick here. We got to do talk about gametime.co. Matt, I'm sure you've done this before. You've used StubHub. We've all used, you know, all these different things. But gametime.co is where it's at. Gametime is they specialize in last minute uh, ticket deals. Um, I mean, look at all that out there, right? I mean, it's it's all there. Georgia plays here in a few days again. Um, that's the way it's going to be here for the next few months. And, uh, you know, listen, GameTime.co's got you covered. You can find tickets uh, all over that, say, all over Sanford Stadium for Ball State. It's going to be crisp. It's going to be hot, and the tickets are going to be available. And you wanna, you're going to want to get them at GameTime.co. The, listen, that – I'm telling you right now, that app is one of the easiest-to-use apps I think I've ever followed that I've ever used. Um, Roosie's used it. I've used it. Right now, if you use the promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, you can get $20 off your first order. Uh, terms apply, but you can get $20 off your first order using GameTime.co. Super easy app. Super easy to find tickets at the last minute. Let's say you're in Athens. You come in for a tailgate next Saturday. You're not actually going to go to the game. Go watch it downtown at the Georgia Theater. That's what you're thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Look at take a look, last minute look and see what game time's got because uh, you know you, you might find yourself a really good deal there. You might be able to use that promo code and and get a phenomenal deal. So come check it out, gametime.co, and uh, they have you covered. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. All right, Matt, one thing I do want to ask you here. Um, defensively, Georgia gives up more rushing yards than they did all of last year except to anybody but Oregon. Um, now, I don't know if you, you said, you know, stat sheet scouting. Um, now, you look a little deeper into that, and you find out that about 80 of that came 
when the game was out of hand and uh, or on third and long. Um, was there anything that surprised you about how well they ran the ball? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, I don't know if Coach Simpson calls the plays or who calls the plays for them. He does. But, I'm pretty, um, I, I, he indicated that after the game, yeah, when we talked. Yeah, about. yeah. So I, I think you saw some misdirection, and I think you saw it on the first drive of the game where they kind of hit a crease, you know, outside, um, you know, with Chaz Chambliss out there, and they, they got like a 10-yard game. So I think there was a lot of misdirection. I think the run game had a little bit of flavor to it. But when I – you know, from what I saw, they weren't just lining up and running the ball for five, seven, eight yards against, you know, our mint front, against our base defense. So I think they were, you know, they were creative. I think the quarterback – obviously ran well um and like you referenced a lot of that rushing came later in the game um so you know i i think again it was just a credit to coach simpson and that staff um because i think they did some things to confuse you know glenn schumann and that defensive staff so uh we talked about personnel we talked about carson we covered a lot of different bases um how big of an impact do you think? And and obviously, listen, it's 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 uh, it's UT Martin, and you know you shouldn't have to open up the playbook to um, to to beat them up pretty good. You know, I mean, you shouldn't have to. But a lot of folks, you know, they they like to lean on this whole. Well, we went vanilla on purpose, and we didn't show this, and we didn't show that. How much truth is there to that? Do you think? I mean, I know. I listen. I know you're not in the game plan looking at the the whole playbook, you know, so, so I understand that, but, but how much do you think there is to these, to coaches kind of, you know, maybe play it a little bit more basic in, in these early pay for, you know, pay for play games? Yeah, I think it, it varies coach to coach. Um, I think, you know, with Bobo philosophically in these games, he's trying to get the, get the ball in people's hands and let them make plays. Um, so I, I definitely think there's an element of truth it's hard to really define, you know, what that kind of delineation is between, you know, one of these, so to speak, warm-up games versus an SEC game. It's hard to really differentiate, you know, where that is exactly. Um, you know, in terms of the red zone and third down, there's definitely looks you don't want to show, right? Because, you know, during the practice week, we spend a lot of time on situational football. Situational football is critical. Um, and you spend a lot of time in the red zone, high red, low red, third down, fourth down, all these different situations. And, you know, that's where you spend a lot of time, you know, in the meeting room drawing up concepts is we want our best plays to be in those situations. So I think in those specific situations, you're going to see a little bit more vanilla looks. But in terms of just first, second down, you know, I think you're more or less running your offense. You know, you're, you're running the stuff that you installed that you plan on running throughout the season. Um, so, and, and like I said, again, it varies coach to coach. So without, you know, being in those meetings, without being in that building, you know, I don't know what we showed. We obviously didn't show any trick plays. And, you know, most teams carry two to three trick plays into a game. Um, so... <laughs> You know, is, is it fair to call what we did vanilla? I don't necessarily think so. Uh, but you're definitely not going to show everything. Um, I, Matt, um, we talked a little bit about this when we got started. The idea of overreaction and, you know, people on the message boards, people clipping things out, people trying to 
just make sense of all this. And, and like I said, a lot of hair pulling and hand wringing going on. From a being in the room with it standpoint, how much of that are you guys hearing? I mean, I'm not saying you're paying attention to or like doing anything that would uh, be shaped by that. But how much of that is flowing back into the staff at that point? Um, I would say that there's awareness, you know, um, just being realistic, right? We're, we're in the 21st century. Uh, a lot of recruiting happens on Twitter. Our coaches are on Twitter all the time. Our sports staffers are on Twitter all the time. Uh, now, people aren't like reading through message boards and getting in the nitty gritty, but, you know, we're, we're all on Twitter, you know, just being realistic. So I think that, you know, everyone sees it and it's never talked about. It's never addressed like, damn, you know, our fans are wearing us out. <laughs> that, that's never a conversation that happens. Uh, but but let me be very clear. The coaching staff is 10 times more critical than the fans could ever be. Um, you know, the, these Sundays after a game are brutal. I mean, I used to sit in on the special teams meeting every week. And the level of detail in that meeting every week always blew me away. And it was always like we were facing a crisis. So, um, you know, as much as the fans blow up, believe me, the attention to detail in that building, you know, far, far surpasses that. So, um, you know, the, 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 the fan freak out is, is definitely, you know, it's, it's acknowledged. But at the same time, the culture that Kirby's created – um, where accountability is at such a premium, you know, there's so much pressure uh, that's internally created by these coaches. I mean, these coaches are really good coaches, um, and they put a lot of pressure on themselves. So they, they don't need fans to say, oh, that was a horrible call. Oh, why did we do this? Because we're, we're already having those conversations before the game. You know, are we sure we want to do this in this situation? Are we sure we want to, you know, call this play with this player in the game? So these are conversations that happen before the game. Then after the game, you fall back up and, you know, you're really critical about what you did. So, um, you know, rest assured, you know, nobody is more critical of our play than Kirby Smart. Um, and a lot of that is driven home on Monday of each week. You know, on Monday we do a corrections walkthrough that lasts a while. Um, and it's going over, you know, what we did wrong. Um, and then believe me, there's a lot we did wrong because there's a lot we did wrong in every game. Sorry, I was muted there for a second. I couldn't get it to unmute. Uh, Pat Paul's, back on, the Pat Paul's back on the internet. That's what we're doing again. <laughs> we were playing on this internet again, Grandpa. Um, <clears throat> when you uh, when you talk about, you know, the I was watching the secondary a lot on Saturday because of the new pieces. Um, you know, Dalen Everett coming. You know, the funny thing was, is I, Matt, I think I, I was talking with you. You and I were texting about this. I told you after that second scrimmage, I was like, hey, man, you know, Julian Humphrey, uh, or, or you called him Julio. I like that better. Julio Humphrey uh, got most of the reps at one in that scrimmage. Then the following Saturday, they do kind of that dress rehearsal type deal, you know, kind of a major practice, but they go through some of the same, you know, uh, protocols, game day, stuff like that. Uh, again, line it up with the ones. Kirby said Monday, um, and and I guess it was a harbinger of, of – or not really, a, you know, it's kind of an indication of things to come. Um, hey, these guys still have live reps. You know, it'll be decided, you know, during the week. Next thing you know, the guy who barely got any reps with the ones in the second scrimmage, Dalen Everett, starting. 
Um, so that whole thing kind of had me really staring at the secondary to see how they played. Anybody stand out to you in that group? Uh, because uh, I've got a name in mind, but I just wanted to know if, if kind of you had the same name in mind. Um, yeah, Malachi Starks. Um, yeah. Yeah, looked like – I mean, he looked like the player that we thought he could become. And he's still got some things to improve. He's still got some things to clean up. You know, the the, the one-handed interception attempt kind of cracked me up because it was like, whoa there, buddy, you know, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> um, we, we know you, you've got some playmaking ability, but uh, go up with two hands. But, yeah, I mean, Malachi Starks jumped off at me. And it's funny because I, I had heard that from a couple of scouts um, is, you know, whoever number 24 is because, you know, scouts work on one class at a time, right? So – they're not filing reports on Malachi Starks, Michael Williams, these underclassmen. Uh, but I'd had a couple of scouts, you know, like this, this number 24 is a pretty good player for y'all. And he just seemed to be all over the field. Um, and he wasn't just, you know, bringing people down when he was tackling them. I mean, he was striking them. And that's that there's a difference between getting a guy down and like hitting them and imposing your will on them. And yeah, a couple every- splatter tackles. A couple yeah, of those, spl- time, like Kirby says, splatter tackles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every time he made contact with somebody, I mean, he was bringing all 205 pounds or whatever he weighs. So um, he looked really confident. He looked really sure of himself. I think last year, you know, he had some freshman moments. And a lot of that was just self doubt. You know, we, we have a really complex defense. Uh, you know, we, we have a defense that's, you know, in some ways more complicated than a lot of what you see in the NFL. You know, it's not easy guys to execute especially at the safety position um safeties have to be really really smart they have to be really detailed and i think malachi you know he kind of fits the bill there but you know when when you're a true freshman you're handling all that volume in our play sheet i mean it's hard man it's hard it's hard to have confidence and confidence you know with football just at, at about any position is is one of the most important factors. Um, and he looked like a confident year two football player. Uh, but out, outside of that, I mean, I think Kamari Laster was fine. I felt like Dalen Everett looked good. Uh, Dalen had that one flag, but, you know, I, I, I don't ever worry about that stuff too much. You know, in college football, you can put your hands on guys. You can be physical. Um, and I think our guys are physical. They do put their hands on guys. You know, we're, we're going to get flags. That's just the reality of it. Um, and in the NFL, that's something you got to clean up because in the NFL, you can't put your hands on guys. I think it was Vic Fangio, you know, was talking to Kirby about that like a couple years back. He's like, man, you know, when I watch y'all's defense, you know, y'all's DBs mug these receivers. And and that's that's just college football. Um, so I, I thought Dalen did some good things. I felt I felt like Bull looked comfortable um, at safety. You know, that, that was a natural transition for him. I think his skill set. Is very similar to Chris Smith's. I think Bull is probably a little bit faster than Chris was. Uh, Chris is a little bit bigger, but very similar skill sets. And then, you know, the last guy I want to mention, uh, Tyke Smith, you know, he looked really physical with the underneath stuff. I think defending the underneath flats, all that, that's Tyke's bread and butter. Uh, he's really good at block destruction. He's a really good tackler. He's a really physical, instinctive football player. Um, you know, some of his struggles get highlighted in the vertical passing game, right? Um, and we, we didn't see that on, on, on Saturday. So 
you know, I, I don't want to bring negativity into the equation because uh, Tyke had a really good game, but you know, the, the stuff he did in that game, that's stuff that he's always shown at Georgia, right? You know, last year when we played against run heavy teams that like some of that perimeter action and the flats and some of the short game, you know, Tyke played a lot in those games. So, like Florida, Florida's a heavy personnel team that ran the ball last year. So, Tyke's snap share was actually more than Javon Boards at that star position. So, um, you know, he's been this type of football player. And now, you know, with Chris Smith gone, Board moved back, and, you know, now Tyke's the guy. So, I think there, there's a lot of positivities to take away from that DB group. <clears throat> I felt like overall, you know, they, they probably played better than any position group on that defense, so. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Matt, we uh, we normally send everybody out of here on the same questions, but we've already asked you those questions, so we can't do that again. Uh, but I think Roe and I both have one last question here uh, for you each. So my question is, going into next week, what do you expect to be different? Um, what are you looking for that maybe we didn't see in game one? How does Georgia change this approach, and what are the steps forward that you want from game one to game two? Yeah, I mean, I, I think defensively, um, I think the, the the game plan and the way that the game is called will be very similar, right? I think that you know, we'll be looking for a little bit cleaner execution, particularly from that linebacker group. I think Jamon Johnson would tell you that that was not his best game, you know. He, he had a couple plays he left out on the field. So I think that, you know, defensively will look very similar to what we were. We're not going to break out our crazy exotic third down pressures. You know, we're probably going to save that for South Carolina, South Carolina and Auburn just being realistic. Uh, so I think, you know, they're, they're just going to emphasize tightening up on execution. You know, we have to go out and make plays. Um, so I think defensively you'll see a solid group. There won't be a ton of havoc next week. Um, I think everybody likes these havoc-oriented defense where you're getting sacks and TFLs. And, you know, sacks and TFLs are going to come. Uh, but I think, you know, next week we'll be really sound on defense. And, and that's that's our identity. That's what Kirby's identity has been his entire career. And then offensively, you know, I think that we'll, we'll see a stronger emphasis on the run game early in the game. I think – We'll try to establish it first couple drives. And I don't know that we'll do this, but I'm hoping, like I referenced earlier, that we'll see a little bit more tempo. So I think stronger emphasis on the run game early, build the play action pass off of that, and then see how the game goes. Um, and hopefully, you know, the offense looks good. And, and you know, th- this whole process with these first four games, right, is, you know, the biggest thing – for this football team, you're looking ahead, looking down the road, which that's taboo. I'm not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to look down the road. It's supposed to be one game at a time. You're, you're, you're out of now, dude. You're, 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 you're a free man. 
You're in a safe you're space. You're a free man. You're going to think for man. yourself now. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a safe space thing. on Park After Dark to look ahead. <laughs> yeah, the biggest thing with this football team, right, is having the quarterback build confidence, number one, right, and having these receivers and these skill guys build confidence. And I think you saw some good things, but we just got to have consistency, right? Um, you know, Arian Smith did not play his best, and I see people dogging him left and right, but – I've heard really good things about what he did in spring ball, what he did in camp. So I'm confident that he's going to turn around and have a good game this week. But, you know, guys like that, like Arian, like Dominic Lovett, C.J. Smith, Ra Ra Thomas, um, you know, we, we need these guys to build confidence because they all have a lot of ability. But, again, to execute, you got to have confidence. So, you know, getting these guys the ball in these games is critical you know, when we play some of these teams later in the year. I'm really interested to see C.J. Smith this Saturday if Ladd gets held out again, um, which, you know, for those out there that read our story today about, you know, Kirby saying Ladd's day-to-day, um, he also said David Marshall was day-to-day one time, and David Marshall had a nine-month injury. Um, but Ladd is not that beat up. He was on the sideline jumping and doing windmill high fives and chest bumps and stuff on Saturday. Uh, just dealing with some back stuff, and, and from what we understand, it's precautionary. And um, you know, if they—I mean, I have a hard time believing, based on what I've heard, that if uh, South Carolina rolled into town or Tennessee or something like, or they were headed to Tennessee, that Lad wouldn't be on the bus. Um, but I am interested to see C.J. Smith. My last question for you, Matt: um, What are the your what are the odds you think that Kirby fires Mike Bobo after this Saturday? <laughs> um. I'll, t- I'll take a step back on the day-to-day diagnosis. <laughs> that. Um, I'll just say no comment. Um, I'll leave it at that. Um, but, yeah, I'd say I-, I don't see Kirby Smart firing Mike Bobo. I don't think there's <laughs> any reason to. Um, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure on that team. I know they're going to get coached really, really hard this week. Um, you know, Monday practice is usually a little bit lighter, like I referenced. They do a corrections walkthrough. There's a lot of scouting reports. There's a lot of scout periods in practice. So it's less physical. It's less intense. And then Tuesday, Wednesday is when things are going to get ramped up. And I know these coaches are going to be coaching these guys really, really hard. Because, uh, you know, again, we, we we did not play great in game one. But that's okay. You know, <laughs> you, you won the game. Um, and there, there were a lot of positives to take away. And all you can do is get better from it. You can play cleaner. You can play more physical. You can play more sound. So um, I, I expect to see a better effort in week two, and I expect to see an even better effort in week three because the one thing about this team and this group of guys, and they showed this last year, is that, you know, when when the big opponents, right, show up, you know, this team shows up. So I expect to see that, you know, a few weeks from now. Uh, real quick answer on this, because I'm glad you said that, because I, I that is something I did want to get to. How much does that piss Kirby off? That that because I know he wants that kind of like doesn't matter who we're playing, doesn't matter who's it, but you know they are human, and it is obvious. It is just blatantly obvious. You saw it every single time it happened last year. Um, they were different against they were different against uh, Sanford, Kent State, Missouri, and Georgia Tech than they were against everybody else. And I think that that, you know, does that does that bother him? Do you think that eats it, Kirby? Absolutely. It's a huge point of frustration for him and our fans, again, drawing that parallel. Um, so, 
yeah, absolutely eats at him. You know, it, it causes him to lose sleep at nights. And not just him, all the coaches, um, everybody in that building. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a fine line, right? It's, it's a tough balance because going into a game like UT Martin, like Ball State, you're trying to convey a message to the team that, you know, we, we got to respect these guys. We got to play hard. But at the same time, you can't build them up to be more than they are, right? Because you start to lose credibility. Because look, our, our kids are smart. You know that they're not dumb. You know <laughs> they're not just going to blindly follow a message. Um, so if you tell them that Ball State's the eighty-five Bears, they're going to say you're full of shit. So it's it's a, <laughs> uh, excuse my language there, but uh, it's it's no, you're line. good. This is Mark after dark. Let it go. No, no, no. Um, this is what we do it for. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a fine line. Um, where you got to give them the proper amount of respect, but you can't build them up to be more than they are. Um, and yeah. Kirby's a master at that. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, these games have proven to be frustrating for us over time. I mean, we played really, really poorly against Kent State last year. We played poorly against Samford. Um, we played poorly against Missouri, Kentucky. Not that those teams are equal to a ball state, but, you know, we it, it's not like we just blew every team out last year. Now – we had the number one margin of victory in college football last year, but there were a few games where we weren't as clean as we probably should have been. So um, that that's just a reality, and that's just the way it is. So you just got to prepare each game and, you know, properly, you know, <laughs> frame the message to the team uh, so that, you know, they're on the same page and they're with you. Yeah, you n- number one team in college football in margin of victory last year because you just beat the shit out of – the good teams, most of them anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, the the <laughs> national sweet. championship game, game one, game three. Um, that's how it goes. Matt, you're the best, dude. Thanks so much for coming on with us. Awesome. We really appreciate it. Um, and uh, you bring credibility to a show that severely lacks it. So we, we, oh, boy, we have none. Take it easy, dude. Thanks, Matt. He said, <laughs> my man said, he goes, you can't tell them they're going to play the 85 Bears every week. They'll tell you you're full of shit. Yeah. So, uh, then, I love then he, it. And then he, like, then he, like, backed off. Like, we're not, like, the Cinemax 1130 of Georgia podcasts, you know? Like, I mean, um, the, like, the weird stuff happens here. That's what we know. It's pretty yeah, my, I'm just I'm just way curvy in a different way, you know? I mean, you know, I'm just, Palmer's you know. I, got the, I can see Palmer laughing in the background because he was on that Cinemax at 1130. I know what's going on. He be. was, the scrambled channels, <laughs> the, the outlines and shit. Yeah, he was He was in there. Uh, this is getting off the rails real quick, real fast. Uh, all right, let's get to our uh, Jake on Jake. We're jaking off. Um, let's talk about uh, – I got a question for you because it almost happened to me earlier today. Uh, this is a two-parter. When was the last time this happened? And on a scale from one to ten – how depressed do you get when you're trimming your beard and you mess it up? Oh, that's such oh, that's such a bad feeling. <laughs> There's, it's like, you, you, I'll tell you what. Listen, I resisted the urge for years to invest in some good beard trimmers. Like, I, I bought some, like, kind of crappy stuff. Like, you know, oh, this will work. This is fine. I've got the, uh, the Philips One Blade, and I really like that thing. It's a pretty effective tool. It's good for the trimming and stuff. If you start getting into like trying to get this thing down, though, that's a whole different factor. And it feels real bad when you mess it up. It it is super depressing. There's no question about it because because there is like it's not there's one there's very few moments in life where as soon as something happens, you're like, 
we've got to scrap it all. It's all done. <laughs> Forget about it. So my thing is I have to have what shitty beard that I've got because I have a really fat face right now. Like, I mean, I have a, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm abdomen. I got the double chin and everything. I'm such a fat face. And dude, I swear to God, I will say the most self-hatred things in the mirror when I don't have my fat. Like my wife is, she's going, my, my wife heard me the last time I messed up my beard. I shaved my face and I'm over there talking to myself in the mirror. And she goes, Jesus Christ, are you going to be okay? Like, I mean, you, I, I have to send you to a counselor. Yeah, like, I say a lot of words. You know, you were talking about fat face. There's another F word that I'm using. You know, like yeah. I'm just saying really mean things to myself. Okay, um, and, and I don't even look good with one, but at least I look okay, and I saw, like some makeup to kind of hide no, my no, you know, it's face. It's better. a good thing, and you got a little like I like your little soul patch thing you got. You oh, got Jesus. Little, like, it's <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like three fuck it's like three dark hairs that are hanging on right there under the <laughs> There's about nine, all right. But here's the deal. The other day I was we were on um, you know, I was I had got had a little streak going on our on our uh, YouTube channel of all the different shows that I'd been on. And uh, I was kind of started to see things and I thought something was on the computer monitor over there for it. And I was over there like doing like this. I was like, why did it? I thought I was a speck on there, but it was actually just this, you know, crappy little, uh, crappy little soul patch that I got. But I almost did it today. Like I, 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 I like the one thing you never do, the one thing you never do, never, if you're right-handed, don't do it with your left hand. Okay. Do not, do not try to trim with your left hand and don't ever try to do like anything other than short motions. I tried to do like a big long swoop and get the whole curvature right here. Took it down way too low. Actually, I did it on this side. All right. So I did, I did it on this side. That's what, that's what I'm curious. I do. Yeah. I do have a good trimmer. Dude. And it is, let me tell you, the key for me was finding the guard, right? Finding the right guard. Mm -hmm. Like the, I think I use like the three or the five millimeter, whatever. But like finding that guard and being able like that gets it to where it needs to be every time. Before I was just kind of freehand in it, like I'm some sort of a cosmetologist or something. Like I have any right to do that. Um, I would not. I would not have done what I did to a stranger uh, on my face. So I don't know why I was trying to pull it off, man. It was a. It was a. Mistake. Dude, I went to a. I went to. Uh, we got a barber shop in uh, Jefferson called the Riveter. Go check them out. Um, I don't go there really all the time because there's another barber in Jefferson that watches uh, old pro wrestling on his uh, TV while he cuts my hair, and I get to watch oh, it through the that. mirror, and I, I really enjoy that. Um, and it's a little cheaper. Uh, but the Riveter, one time I go in there, and she's like, hey, you want me to trim your beard? I'll do it for free. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Dude, I walked out of there looking somewhat Puerto Rican, okay? God, <laughs> like, I, I – like – I was, I walked out of there, I walked out of there like, die, you know, like I thought I was Pitbull for a minute, dude. I was, we, so should, we, maybe, we, should, we should maybe change the name of the show to somewhat Puerto Rican. <laughs> yeah, I look like, uh, uh, I, I look a little like Drake, to be honest with you. Fat Drake is what kind of fat like Joe, maybe. You had the fade, had yeah. the fade beard going on. Oh man, she had like, she had like faded it in from, uh, from here, and she'd cut it down. She had cut it down low enough to the thick. Yeah, she'd cut it down low to the thick part, um, and and had gotten it real full. Oh yeah, man, your boy. I, I'm. I mean, <laughs> my wife. I walked in, and my wife saw me. And like a couple minutes later, I heard her singing the uh, the the uh, 
lyrics to "Pretty Fly for a White Guy." So nice. I think that was I think that was why. But uh, go ahead with your question. I'm glad it incited some good confidence. Oh, good oh, conversation. That, that was a good one. That was a good one. Now I'm just curious. Um, you know, obviously, you and I were texting about this. Uh, I think last night about uh, Burning Man, and uh, I'm just curious, Jake Rowe pro music festival or anti-music festival i've never been i really do want to go and and i would but i'll tell you what man like as somebody who's saving for you know three kids for college and uh you know you know live in a house in today's modern interest rates um that we just moved into last september um you know got a good job we handle all of it it's great it's fine whatever um, I got two daughters. I'm about to pay for weddings one day. So I'm big into kind of saving. I want to retire one day, even though I really believe that the line of work I'm in is my retirement plan via, you know, if Lauren Smith's still, you know, doing you his are, thing. You're going to be Lauren Smith old. of the beat. <laughs> I ain't saying I'm going to be Lauren Smith. I'm just saying I think I'll still be, I can ride into my 80s if I need yeah. to, if I even live that long. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to be dead within 15 years. Uh, but, Ravine. um, they're just so expensive now, man. Like I would, I would love to go to like a shaky knees or, um, you know, I don't know that I'd want to do burning man or Bonnaroo or anything that, you know, serious. Um, but yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to go to a little bit more of a, a smaller music festival, something with like Jason Isbell and, and Zach Bryan and, uh, Marcus King bands, something like that. You know, just if, as long as it's my type of music, but honestly, dude, do you remember, <laughs> Do you remember back in our uh, in our hangout days when 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 I really had this you know bug about wanting to go to Ultrafest? You remember that? I do remember that. I do remember. Yeah, yeah. You were you were like gung ho. Like you were like I think. Yeah, I really wanted to go. I really wanted to go. We we had seen a video. We'd watched like a two minute video, and Ultrafest (laughs) is like an EDM festival. And I'm telling you, man, that they. That is one of the coolest videos I've ever seen. They made that shit look so fun. That's winter jam for people on ecstasy, buddy. I mean, that's all it is. That's, that, that's, I mean, you know, it was, I, I got it. I understand it. It looks great. I'm, I'm, I've been to uh, the hangout festival, I think twice, maybe three times at this point. Yeah. I hang out. I do hang out. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm anti music festival. It's okay. It's, it's expensive. The, the experience is not comfortable. Um, not that I'm seeing like a concert has to be right. But like you're sitting out there baking in the sun. Beers are like $11. The porta potties have all been thrown up in. You know, it's, it's just it, the, the vibe is bad, dude. I mean, now my dad's done the VIP experience. I haven't done that. And he says that's the only way to go. And it's the only way he would go back. But it's like private restrooms and, and open bars and things like that. That appeals to me. Uh, I don't have the cash to do that, but the, I could see it from that perspective. General admission, man, when when they've come down and and like I said, to me, the, to me, the, I need a clean bathroom. That's it. I, I can do get through most things in my life with a clean bathroom, but a bathroom that's in disarray, that's that makes for a tough day, man. Especially yeah, I mean, you know, in the sun. And you're the one that taught me this trick. You know, just you know, I mean, your only other option is just to eat emodium. You know, just eat the emodium and, <laughs> and deal with what happens. You know, deal with the deal with feeling like junk three days later for sure. Hey, listen, we could have the money to go do the VIP experience if we got the money to buy a couple ski masks. We can get the money to do that. So, <laughs> we can go get an armored truck and just make it happen. Uh, criminal uh, criminal conspiracies being hatched here on uh, Bark After Dark. We don't know who we're having on next week. We never do. 
Um, hey, so, join us you know, next week for another episode of Somewhat Puerto Rican. We look forward to it. <laughs> um, we're uh, we're going to have a great time as usual. No, uh, yeah, we'll get some. Maybe there. maybe I'll go back there and get them to do that do that beard and come on here. <laughs> you know, I'll go next Monday. I'll have them do the beard for me. And then we can kind of we can kind of get on here and I can maybe do like a pit bull thing, maybe get a little gold chain going action. Um, maybe do the hair too, get it cut nice and you know, get the get the actual yeah. fade going. You with a fade. Oh man. I'm not I'm not I'm not committed enough to do that. Like I'm I, I was I was thinking about it, like almost like going to Ultra Fest, but yeah. <laughs> no, we'll be back next week for sure with a um undetermined at this point, but Listen, uh, uh, John T. We, Edge we, is coming up soon. John T. We, Edge is coming up soon. Um, he and I are supposed to touch base very soon. We've got a list, and if you have suggestions, please feel free to drop them in the comments. If you got somebody you'd like to see on Bark After Dark, we'd love to hear who you want to see. And if you got connections, please reach out to them and tell them to reach out to us. We'd love that too. Yeah, so, absolutely, um, absolutely. But, but if you don't yeah. know John T. Edge, I do want to tell folks we're working on this. So John T. Edge is the host of uh, of um, I've just True lost South. the name. True South. True South. Yeah, I was about to say Deep South. True South on the SEC Network. He is a Georgia uh, University of Georgia undergrad. Um, I believe he is from Gray, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Surely he's graduated. No, he went to Georgia undergrad for undergrad. He went to he went to graduate okay. school. At he was a Georgia undergrad as if he was in sophomore year, like no, living no, in sorry, sorry, Hall, no. <laughs> uh, Yeah, hey, you, know, you want to talk about somebody with a legit soul patch? John T. Edge has a legit soul patch, okay? But he is uh, he's a published author, um, real tight with Wright Thompson. Um, they do a phenomenal job on that show, and he wrote basically the Southern Bible when it comes to restaurants in the South and culture. I think he's got a beautiful way of storytelling, and I would love to have him on and talk to him. Um, and uh, I know he drinks a lot of bourbon too, or used to at least. Um, I don't know if he does anymore, uh, but uh, you know, he seems like our kind of guy. But uh, hopefully, we'll have him on soon. We, and like Ruth said, we've got a list. Um, we know we're going to start, uh, you know, kind of adding to that list even more. And if you've got somebody you would like for us to have on, um, you know, that'd be great too. And I think sometime at point at some point this season too, Roos, we want to get, um, we definitely want to get, uh, our, uh, Oak Ridge high school connection on the father of, uh, Justin Williams so that he can give us an update on how, um, Joseph Jonah, Ajanye and Justin Williams are doing in their senior seasons. The um, and we all early. Yeah, they are looking very strong. Yeah. And, uh, we also are probably going to check in with Andy Staples again at some point this season. Um, and, and talk with him about some and, stuff. And, and Dean Leggy probably will work his way back into the fold. Yeah, Dean Leggy's got to move. Now we got another with him. So we got, yeah. we'll play the hits, but also we're going to bring some new faces on. Like I said, if you got somebody you want to see, please let us know that. We would love the suggestions um, and we, we welcome them. And Can't at one point, we'll, and at one point, we, uh, once we got Matt Godwin off the interview here, I thought, man, we're going to get this show done in 50 minutes, but like everything else I do in my life, I failed at it. So uh, here we are. Uh, we, we got a little, we got a little somewhat Puerto Rican and we lost ourselves and we lost 10 more minutes. So, uh, Hey, y'all take care. Have a great uh, week. Uh, we will do the Georgia show on Wednesday night. And then I uh, will be with you post game on this channel after um, Georgia more than likely beats up ball state pretty good. So y'all take care and uh, we'll see you next Monday. Rock and roll. Oh, oh.